Well, it's good to see y'all here this morning. We're really low this morning. We've got a number of people out with things going on. Uh, Ted Lyon came up this morning and left his check. Uh, little Gracie is not feeling good at all. She's got a real sore throat, sick. Uh, they took her to the hospital, not hospital, but up here to the doctor and uh, have her checked for... Uh, strep throat and this and that and making sure everything was all right and uh, she began to feel a little better but they didn't they wasn't sure about some of the tests and they didn't want to bring her up here and expose anybody to anything until they get all the tests back and uh, <clears throat> I talked to Martha Brown yesterday had a conversation with her and she's doing better of course, JB, her husband, he's still in the nursing home up here in rehab. Uh, but he is getting stronger. Martha said he was able to start walking a little bit with the help of a walker and everything. And uh, so, But we've just got a number of people out. And some of them, I don't know why. But uh, it seems like uh, just a lot of things going on and... Uh, they just wasn't here today. So, as all of you know, uh, we are getting ready next Sunday to celebrate Easter. You know, we call it Easter, but really, I like to really prefer, prefer to call it Resurrection Sunday. That's what took place. It's Jesus' resurrection. And uh, the greatest thing that Jesus' love shows is how He loved us. How He died for us on that cross, the suffering and the shame and everything that He went through shows how much He loved us. And He was willing to do whatever He had to do to bring salvation to mankind. But now it's up to us. We have to accept what Jesus did, believe in Him, Believe He is the sinless Son of God that came and died for the world to give them salvation. And when we can believe that and believe it in our heart, we have an eternal home in heaven. You know, it said a while ago, we, whenever we sing that song, <clears throat> we got a mansion. You know, each one of us has a mansion. You know, in John chapter 14, Verse 1, it started out on that mansion. I love that. And uh, this is really, what he's referring to here is the rapture of the church. But he says, Believe in God, believe also in me. For in my Father's house are many mansions. And if it were not so, I would have told you. But I go and prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again that you may be where I am also. This is a promise. That's what he's promising. When I come back, he's talking about the rapture. When we go to heaven, you're already going to have a mansion prepared for you. And just like he said, I go and prepare a place for you. The greatest carpenter in the world has prepared your house. It's ready. Whenever you get there, you're not going to have to do anything but just move in. You're not going to have any remodeling, any repairs or anything else, but it's going to be ready. And uh, 
I was just thinking about that as we sung that song a while ago, and just something that hit me is Jesus loves us so much, He has already gone and prepared a place for us. Your place is prepared right now. He's just waiting on us to move in. And, you know, I got to thinking about that too. The rapture could be at any moment. It could be before we leave this church today. Nothing has to happen. Nothing has to take place. Because everything right now is in order for Jesus Christ to come back. All he's waiting for, he's sitting at the right hand of the Father right now, and he's just waiting for God to look over at him and say, Son, go get my people. We're out of here. So, but uh, today we are celebrating Palm Sunday is what it's called. But it's also called uh, the uh, Holy Week. It's called the Holy Days. This is when Jesus has made it back to Jerusalem. And he is entering Jerusalem. He knows what's going to happen. He is entering. He's coming back like a king. And I'm going to tell you, show you something here in a minute that where Jesus is fulfilling Scripture, when he comes back and rides in on the donkey, he is fulfilling Scripture that was written 500 years before Jesus even came to earth. Zechariah prophesied that when he come back, he would come back as a king riding a donkey. And we'll see this in just a minute. But we are celebrating today. You know, really, it says Passion Week, but it's really just, it's eight days. It's not seven, it's eight that we will be celebrating. Because you count this Sunday all the way through next Sunday. Sunday today, then you got Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Resurrection Sunday. Eight days of holy days when he comes back. He's resurrected on that day. I'm looking forward to next week. I always love, I love Easter. I love it when I read about and study about the resurrection of my Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, how much he loved us, and the, the terrible things he went through just for us so that we could have a place with him for all eternity in heaven. Now it's up to us to believe and receive Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior so that we can receive what he has prepared for us. Uh, I got a, made me a little note here on Palm Sunday. <clears throat> Palm Sunday is the day we celebrate Jesus' triumphal entry into Jerusalem. This is one week before his resurrection. He comes in on that Sunday, then the following Sunday he's resurrected. It's really eight days. As Jesus entered the city of Jerusalem, he was closing out his journey toward the cross. Many times we see where he's traveling around, the, around Jerusalem, and, but he, he didn't enter Jerusalem. He didn't enter Jerusalem until it was time for the cross. He was all around Jerusalem. But it was time for him to come back. And as he came back, he knew this was going to be the end of his journey. 
Jesus, and the Bible says that He came to save the lost and secure man's salvation. Here in Luke 9.10, it says, For the Son of, Son of Man is come to seek and to save that which is lost. That's us. He comes to seek us out, to die for us, to save us, because we were lost and undone. We were so full of sin that we could not have entered heaven for anything until we have accepted Jesus Christ. And Jerusalem was the place that God had chosen to secure man's salvation. Jerusalem was the place that Jesus would die for each one of our sins. Palm Sunday makes the start of what is called, like I said, Passion Week or Holy Week. And it marks the days till Jesus' resurrection from the dead. And this will be the final days of Jesus' earthly ministry. He walked this earth for three years. Preaching, teaching, and healing. He had a, Jesus had a threefold ministry. He preached the Word of God. He taught the Word of God and He healed. He had a healing ministry. We see all through the Bible where Jesus healed. Healing is still going on today. I'm, I'm, I'm so thankful that I've witnessed so many different things take place that you just, you know that God's presence, you can feel His presence there. When you see these miracles take place and when you see things happen, you know beyond a shadow of a doubt that God's presence is there and it is God doing the healing. Man does not heal. I've had people call me, Bill, could you come and pray for my friend here and heal him? I said, I can pray for your friend, but I can't heal him. I'd be glad to pray for your friend. But Jesus does the healing. Not man. And that is one thing that I want to make clear when I go to a hospital. I say, Bill, can you pray for them so they'll be healed? I say, I can pray for them. But Jesus is the one that does the healing. What, and I'll ask them, it gives me that opportunity. I ask them, what is their relationship with Jesus Christ? Have they been saved? Have they accepted Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior? Do they believe? See, that is so important. They believe. You have to believe. It says, if you don't believe, you cannot receive. So we have to believe. And uh, I'm going to start out here in, in, in the book of Matthew. Matthew chapter 21, and I'm going to look at verses 1 through 11. This is Jesus coming in to Jerusalem. He's entering, like I said, as a king. He's entering the way a king would enter. You mean a king would enter in on a donkey? That's exactly right. Now I'm going to read you a scripture in a minute that shows you this. This was already set up. Like I said, Zechariah prophesied that Jesus would come into Jerusalem 500 years before this had happened. It says here in verse 1, excuse me, 
in verse 1 in chapter 21 of Matthew. And when they drew near to Jerusalem, Jesus and his disciples, and would come to Bethpage, Bethpage was just a small little city outside of Jerusalem. It says, And unto the Mount of Olives, when Jesus sent two disciples, he's going to send two disciples to do something. And he says, Saying unto them, Go into the village over against you or next to you. And straight away or immediately you shall find an ass tied and a colt with her. You're going to find a female donkey tied up and her colt's going to be with her. Loose them. Untie them. And bring them to me. And then Jesus tells his disciples, if any man says anything to you, you shall say, the Lord has need of them, and immediately he will send them. All this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken of by Zechariah in chapter 9, verse 9. It says, this is what Zechariah uh, prophesied. Tell you the daughter of Zion or Israel, behold, your king comes unto thee, meek and sitting upon an ass, and a coat, the foal of an ass. Like I said, this was 500 years. And this is exactly the way that Jesus entered Jerusalem. He entered riding on a donkey. I'll get to it in just a minute of why he rode in on that donkey. But, but uh, then here in verse 6, he says, And the disciples went and did as Jesus commanded them, and brought the ass and the coat, put their clothes on them, and they set Jesus upon them. The disciples took their robes and stuff, laid them over the donkey. And then they picked Jesus up and set him on. They made like a padding, a saddle, for Jesus to sit on, on, on that donkey. And a very great multitude. Were, this took place, I should have said it earlier, but it just dawned on me. This took place because of all the people. They say that there was probably somewhere between two to three million Jews gathered at Jerusalem. See, this was Passover. They had come to celebrate Passover. And this is when Jesus also chose to die on the cross. All those people were going to be there. It said that a very great multitude, many of these people when Jesus rode in, cheering him and, 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 and praising him, it said spread their garments in the way or out in front of him, Others cut down branches from the trees and spread them in the way. You know, these uh, palm branches and everything, I'm, they represented peace. Palm branches back that time represented peace. And uh, 
So Jesus was on his way to the cross. And he said, Palm Sunday is also an important day that we need to remember or remind us why Christ came. He came, but they, they, this brought things about to happen. They're happening now. They're happening now. And this Palm Sunday when Jesus came in, Many things started to happen. This time, it says it said here is that as I was looking at this, I kind of got off off of where I wanted to go here because I was thinking about something else. But Palm Sunday is an important day in history because that's the day when Jesus began his final journey to the cross. That's why that's that's, that's why Palm Sunday is so important. This was where Jesus had been headed all the years that he was here on this earth. He was getting to this point. And finally, it was time. And uh, some of the things that are taking place because of Palm Sunday and what happened, God's Word tells us that the people cut branches and then laid them out on the ground before Jesus as he rode into this city. Like I said, the palm branches represented peace and victory. They were symbolic of the final victory that would soon Jesus would soon fulfill over death. The palm branches represented victory. Because of Jesus' coming, we can now say with confidence, and this is used at a lot of funerals, 1 Corinthians 15.55, it says, O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? Jesus came that we might have victory over death and over sin, just as he did. You know, when Jesus walked this earth, Jesus was the only man that never sinned. He had victory over sin. He had victory over death. That's why Jesus could be the sacrifice he was. Is because he, never, he didn't have any sin in his life. He was the perfect sacrifice. Remember when they used to sacrifice the lamb? They said the lamb had to be without spot and without blemish. You couldn't bring a lamb to be slaughtered to present to the Lord as a sacrifice if there was anything wrong with him. And many people tried to bring a lamb that was crippled, blind, sick, or what? Well, I'll just take this one because he's going to die anyway. Do y'all realize that God never accepted that sacrifice? He said it had to be without spot and without blemish. That's why God sent Jesus because Jesus was without spot and he was without blemish. He had no sin. That's why he could be, the, that's why he was the sinless son of God that died in our places. Because he was going to take our sin and place them on himself. He was going to take the sin of the whole world upon himself so we didn't have to. He went to the cross so we wouldn't have to. 
He took our place. He became our substitute. He became our substitute. He was God's sacrifice to man. Just as man brought sacrifices to God, God used His own Son to be a sacrifice for us. A sinless sacrifice. Jesus, when He came, He was, and He still is today, total sin, He was without sin, and He could receive all the sin of the world, which is why He, why he died on that cross. God placed, you know, whenever Jesus was on the cross, He said something. You know, there's seven sayings, but this is one here that I guess, I don't know, it just kind of always hit me. He says, My Father, my Father, why have you forsaken me? Do y'all realize that when Jesus was placed upon that wooden cross, that God had to turn his face away from his own son? He could not look at his own son. Why? because the sin of the world had just been poured out on Jesus. And God cannot look upon sin. That's what Jesus was saying. Father, why have you forsaken me? And Jesus knew. In the garden, in Gethsemane, Jesus made said something else. He says, if this cup could be taken from me, Father, take it away. He wasn't talking about his crucifixion. He wasn't talking about his death. What he was talking about, Father, please do not turn your face from me. We have always been together. You have never turned your face away from me. That was what was worrying Jesus more than anything else. Is God having to turn his face and could not look upon him because of the sin of the world. But after sin of the world was poured out on him, everything changed. God could then look upon his son. We were talking about that donkey a while ago. It said Jesus chose to ride in on a donkey because it fulfilled Old Testament prophecy of Zechariah. 9-9, nine, nine. like I said, it was spoken of 500 years before it even happened. And again, I'm going to read it. It says, Rejoice greatly, daughter of Zion, or of Israel. Shout, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king comes unto you. He is meek and having salvation. He's bringing salvation. Lowly, in other words, he's humble. And riding upon an ass and upon a, upon a colt, the foal of an ass. In biblical times, it was very common for kings or important people to arrive in a possession on a donkey. They came in on a donkey. If the king had come in on a great white horse, you know what that would have been? That would have represented war. When the king come in on a great white horse, it meant that war 
he was going to war or he was just returning from war. But when you came in on that donkey, that donkey simply made, I'm coming in peace, not war. And the donkey socket symbolized peace. And those who chose to ride a donkey showed they came with peaceful intention. They didn't come to cause a problem. They didn't come to cause a war. <coughs> this was also Jesus reminding us that when he rode in on that donkey, he truly was the Prince of Peace. He was bringing peace, not war. He was bringing salvation to man. He was bringing them a way to get to heaven. He was bringing them a way to be put back into the grace and the goodness of God. It said when Jesus entered Jerusalem, the people shouted, Hosanna! They were giving praise to Jesus. Just think about this. All these people praising Jesus. Hosanna! Hosanna! Praise to God in the highest! And in just a couple days, they would have been hollering, Crucify him! Crucify him! Before Pilate and all of them. They had turned, in just a couple days, they had totally turned against Jesus. Because of the lies and everything that the Sanhedrin had spread among. This Jesus, he's a blasphemer. He's a false god. He's not no king. And the people began to believe it. But you know this had to happen. Because Jesus came to die. He came to die on that cross for our sins. So it had to happen. And uh, Hosanna, actually, you know what it means? It means save now, or save us now. They thought that when Jesus come in, he was coming in as a king to free them from the Roman government and to set up his kingdom. That's what all, oh, come on. They were celebrating. They were full of joy. They said, he's coming. He's going to set up his kingdom. Well, they had the wrong ideal. Then they got mad because he wasn't going to set up a kingdom. And then that's when they started hollering, crucify him, crucify him. They were angry. They were mad. And the whole time, Jesus was doing what God had already planned to do how it had to go down, what had to happen. And, uh, you know, God had a different plan in mind of bringing true salvation to man and freedom to all who would believe in Jesus. We have a scripture that when we truly believe in Jesus, it says if we will repeat this scripture or say the words that we will be saved. I think probably most of you probably know what it is, Romans 10, 9. It was already planned ahead of time that these scriptures would be available and made for us. You know, it says, it says here, if, if you will confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, now listen to this, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. We have to believe. It's not, well, yeah, he probably did. He probably was raised. I don't know for sure. And then get it. It says, believe in your heart. Know in your heart. Know in your mind. Jesus Christ 
died. He rose again. He is the sinless Son of God that came to save the world from their sin. You know, I believe it's uh, John three seventeen. It says that Jesus did not come into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world. Maybe, oh, he just come to condemn us. No, he come to save us. We condemned ourselves through unbelief. Through not believing in Jesus Christ. Through not believing in what God has sent Jesus to do. No, we condemned ourselves. I've heard people say, if a, why would a loving God condemn a man to hell? God didn't condemn you to hell. You condemned yourself for unbelief. God doesn't condemn you. We condemn ourselves. We're to follow God's word. We're to believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. When he sent him into Jerusalem to die, he was getting everything set up for the salvation of this whole world. Not just, not just the Israelites, but everybody that would believe. It says that God is not a respecter of persons. What he does for one, he will do for every one of us if we believe. That's God's love. He thinks so much of us that he says what he did yesterday, he'll do again today. He's still saving. He's still healing. He's still doing everything he did when he walked upon this earth. Jesus had such a testimony and healing that even the people would come from miles around if they heard Jesus was going to be there. They would travel and travel. They might have somebody sick. They might have somebody blind. They might have somebody with a palsy. Whatever. Palsy is paralyzed. They would bring those people to Jesus. And it said that Jesus turned no man away. He's not turning us away today. A lot of our problems is we don't believe. You go to Jesus and you, and you ask for a healing. You ask Him to pray for it. And the whole time you're asking, are, let me ask you, are you believing that Jesus will heal you? Or are you doubting it? He who doubts, let him not think that he shall receive anything. Those are Jesus' words. If you doubt, don't think that you're going to receive anything. He said, a man that doubts, he says he's like the waves and the wind of the sea, tossed and turned, unstable in all of their ways. We have to be stable in our thinking, in our belief in Jesus Christ. You can't be wishy-washy. You've got to get off the fence. You can't straddle the fence. Well, I'll, I'll get here and see which way I need to go. You better know right now which way you need to go. And that's walk with Jesus. That's the only way. The Bible says, <coughs> excuse me, and then just in finishing up here, what I want to do is, Palm Sunday reminds us that the coming of Christ is much greater than the mind of man could ever conceive. I, as I read that, 
The coming of Christ is greater than man could think or could conceive. Only God knew what he was doing and what was going to take place. Only God knew this. Man looks today for someone to fight his battles in this present day world. Maybe it's the church. Maybe somebody else. But we look for somebody to do battle for us, to help us through situations. But uh, God had an ultimate plan to fight the final battle. The battle over sin, death, and the grave. And only His Son could do that. And, and to give us eternal life. And this was to send His Son, like I said, to fight a battle that was so important that only Jesus Himself could win this battle. Man could not win it. But Jesus Christ could. Because He was without sin. You know, we celebrate Holy Week because of what Jesus did for us. Him coming in to Jerusalem. Because of Christ's sacrifice, we can be set free from our sin, from our death, and we can have eternal life in heaven with Jesus Christ our King. He is the resurrection. You know, Jesus told Martha at Lazarus' death, He said something. He said, Do you think your brother will live again? Oh yes, in the day of our resurrection. Jesus said something. Resurrection is not a thing. Resurrection is Jesus Christ Himself. Listen to what He says. This is John chapter 11, verse 25 and 26. He's telling us. And Jesus said unto her, Martha, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believes in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. If we're believing in Jesus Christ when we die, actually, we don't actually see death. Our, our, our physical body does, but our spirit goes immediately to be with the Lord. That's what Paul said. To be absent from this body is to be present with the Lord. The moment you die, your spirit goes immediately into the presence of God. And then he goes on here in verse 26 and says, And whosoever lives, you're alive now, and believes in me shall never die. Your spirit will never die. That's what we were just saying. The physical body dies, the spirit never dies, but the moment that physical body dies, the spirit goes to be with the Lord. You know, that is, I've, I've used it at, at, at some cemeteries, at some graves, and it's uh, Ecclesiastes. Uh, chapter 12, verse 7. It says, <clears throat> The body shall return to the dust from which it came. We were created from dirt, right? But the Spirit returns to God who gave it. Again, it's verified. The body returns to the grave, but the Spirit 
returns back to God who gave it. Therefore, all eternity of living with God. And you know, we were talking about the rapture a while ago over in Thessalonians. It talks about when Jesus comes back, He said, the dead in Christ shall rise first, that body. When He comes back, He says, for Jesus shall bring the spirits back with Him. What spirits? The spirits of those who have died. When those bodies start coming up out of the grave, those spirits are reunited with that body that he brought back. It was in heaven with Jesus. Then that spirit goes back into the body. And that body then becomes a glorified body or a body just like Christ had when he was resurrected. And then it says, and those who are left, us, that have not died, shall be caught up in, in the clouds with them forever to be with Jesus. We don't die. If you're raptured and you're alive, you don't die. You're caught up. And on your way to heaven, something happens. Something happens. Your body here on earth changes and it becomes a glorified body on the way to heaven. And you also get that body like Christ. A body and a spirit the body that will never deteriorate again, will never die, and a spirit back in that body, the spirit you have now, and it will never die. Your spirit never, ever dies. That spirit is going to live somewhere for all eternity, forever. While we're here now on this earth, we have to decide where that spirit is going to live. Is it going to live in hell? Or is it going to live in heaven with the Lord Jesus Christ? We have to make that decision while you're still alive. You can't wait. And, oh man, I'll tell you what. Yeah, I think I'll believe in Jesus now that I'm dead. <coughs> no, we have to do it now. Once this body dies, the state it was in when it died is the state it will stay in. If you're lost... You'll be lost for all eternity. But if you're saved, you'll be in heaven for all eternity. And we have to make that decision now before that time comes. I wonder how many people have actually made that decision. That truly, truly believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God that died for your sins that we've been reading about right here that came and died on a cross. Do y'all realize that Jesus Christ died on a Friday? Good Friday. And he was in that grave Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. He rose early Sunday morning. It said that Mary and some of the women went to the tomb to take spices and everything to anoint Jesus. That's what they, that's what they did to bodies then. Instead of embalming and all that, they didn't do that. They would put the spices and everything in with the body to hold the odor of the deteriorating body down. That's what they were doing. They were going to go anoint Jesus' body, put the spices around him. But when they got there, that, that tombstone had been rolled away, the door. There was an angel. I said, a man in white sitting there. Says, looked up and said, why 
are you looking for the living among the dead? Jesus is not here. He has risen. He has risen. Just like He said He would do. What did He say? Destroy this temple and I'll rebuild it in three days. He's talking about His death. He's, the temple is His body. Your body is a temple. He says, do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit? God's Spirit living on the inside of you. Jesus was referring to His body when this body is torn down or dies, I will, I will restore it in three days. They thought to themselves, how is he going to rebuild a temple in three days? Not realizing he was talking about his own body. Your body is a temple. Your body is a temple to God. And he has placed his spirit in that temple to serve God. Are you serving God? Are you letting that spirit intermingle? Are you letting that spirit be with God? How do I do that? <clears throat> through Bible worship? Excuse me, through Bible study? Through worship in your church? Through coming to the presence of God? Getting the Word of God in you? When that Word of God gets in you, you become stronger and stronger and stronger. You become more and more of what God wants you to be. I'm going to ask the band to come up. <coughs> and I'm fixing to close. Like I said, I left off there with John 11, 25, 26, where Jesus says, I am the resurrection. I am the life. And he that believes in me, though he were dead, he will never die. Because of his spirit. You know, if you think about it, we have so much to be grateful for. And the thing about it is, you know, Satan knows how grateful we should be. And you also know he's going to do everything, especially this week, that he can do to take your mind off of Christ and off of his resurrection. He's going to do everything he can to make you doubt the resurrection of Jesus Christ. He doesn't want you to believe Jesus. He wants you to burn in hell with him. That's what he's going to do. He's going to burn in hell for all eternity. At that judgment seat, he's cast into the pit of hell. He'll be there for all eternity. He wants to take as many of God's people with him as he can. In the book of Revelation, chapter 12, verse 12, Jesus gives us a warning. He says, Woe, woe unto the world and to the sea around it. Satan comes down to you very, very mad He's come to kill, to steal, and destroy. He said, and he's going to be so mad simply because he's got a very short time. Satan knows his time is short. He's given us a warning. Of this is going to happen. And it's happening now. That Satan is on a rampage. I look out here. Where are the people? Are they listening to Satan? It says, in the last days, there shall be a, a falling away will come. A falling away from the church. A falling away from God. A falling away from the scripture. A falling away from Bible study. And people going back into the world.
I pray that none of you will ever do that. That you will hold on to God and the life of, of abundance, the life of eternal life that He has given you. I'm going to ask the band to play. If you're here today, and maybe you need to make a decision, or maybe you just need to say, Lord, I need a closer walk. Today's the day you can do that. This would be a great day to do it. The day we celebrate Jesus' entry of coming back into Jerusalem to die. If you need to come forth, we've got an altar down here. I'll be down front. I'll be glad to pray with you. If you've got something in your body that you want prayed for, I'll anoint you with oil and pray for you. But after this, we'll have a prayer and we'll go eat dinner. So band, if you'll play something, 